that's another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 30. It's been a while, but I couldn't wait to get back. Past few weeks, my tea had gone cold. I wondered why I got out of bed at all. The morning rain clouded up my window, and I couldn't see it all. And even if I could, it would be all gray. So what's the cure? Well, it's tea bags. JPP, Metalhead Monday, our adoring listeners and music. Welcome back. I'm Foggy, and with me as always, JPP. Howdy, everybody. And tea bags. Tea bags. Too hot for TV. What is up? <laughs> what are things tea bags didn't miss on our break for two hundred, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> And we are uh, we are metal headless Monday this week because he is away on assignment uh, at Stabbing Westward. So hopefully he'll have a report next week when he returns. Absolutely, should, should be a good time for sure. Tea bags. Anything yes. interesting this weekend? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so one of my best friends uh, from way back, like seventh grade, even. Um, Preston Brust. He is uh, in a country band uh, called Lokash, and he performed this weekend at a, used to be called Deer Creek back in the day, but it's a kind of the big event place that we all go around here um, in central Indiana to see, to see shows. And he got me all access, all access backstage passes. And so I was actually on the stage um, filming him, taking his first steps onto the stage, stage, which Way back uh, when, when we were like teenagers, we were talking about being able to be on that stage and what it would be like for him to be singing and people to be singing his songs back to him. And I used to do their artwork for their little cassette tapes back in the day, and I'm still doing their artwork for their albums now. So it's just like it was just like a flash forward, really, in time. We were we're doing the same things. I'm doing his art. He's doing music, and uh, we actually got to realize a dream together, which was really cool. That is yeah. awesome. Now, did you stay back uh, backstage for the whole show, or did you go out in front and watch any? Uh, no, I stayed backstage. Um, it was also kind of cool because after his set, we went we went back to this like uh, rest area that they had a tent set up, and the tent the tent had a, um, was printed with all of my artwork on it. So I was actually sitting underneath <laughs> all my artwork. That's pretty uh, surreal. Yeah, it was surreal. And um, and uh, another funny thing is a. Uh, um, some of my family members went and they were out in the crowd, like snacking on Twizzlers. And so I sent them pictures because <laughs> I was eating like lemon pepper cod and prime rib. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it, I'm telling you what it's, it's would not be a tough gig to be a rock star as far as that goes, but the traveling might kill me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I was talking to a buddy of ours um, this weekend as well, who, has been a touring musician and he quoted Sturgill Simpson. And he was basically saying, you know, the gig performing, that's fun. That's, that's life. But the, you know, where you're getting paid to work is when you're traveling from event to event, because that's the hustle. That's the grind. That's the struggle that, uh, yeah. you know, pays the bills basically. So, um, yeah. no, that's too cool, man. And what's funny is I was right across the street eating with my family and you texted me that picture. I'm like, Oh, who's I said, low cash has got to be over there. I hadn't paid attention to any <laughs> event dates over there. And I was like, sure enough. Yep. There they are. So that's yes. too fun. And I remember uh, running sound for Preston a few times through the years as well, when he was doing the R and B thing and, and, uh, uh-huh. the different, uh, you know, aspects of music, but he's always stayed consistent in the fact that he pushed, he worked hard, he wasn't giving up. So, you know, you got to give him a pat on the back for that nonetheless. So awesome. Yeah. And shout out to Preston, man. Hope you're doing all right. Get a hold of me sometime, man. I'd love to catch up. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he would too. He's still, he's still the same old Preston. Oh yeah. Um, la- the last thing that kind of relates since I'm always talking about Nine Inch Nails on this podcast, I wore my Nine Inch Nails shirt to this uh, Raised on Country tour. And um, I had my all access pass was like a sticker that literally had to go on your clothing and it said raised on country, but it was on a pretty hate machine shirt. Nice. And uh, the only people that were like, Hey man, nice shirt. were like these tattooed roadies that were loaded <laughs> all over the place. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was a good, it was really good. So uh, I had a great time and I'm just really proud of those guys. So 
Certainly. Yeah. Very, very cool. And I'm happy you got to experience that. That's something I haven't been able to do at, at that particular stage. But uh, seeing the photos, it's like, oh, that's that's pretty wild. That's what the sea of people looks like from that angle. Nice. Right. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice. But you get the blue ribbon for the weekend because you certainly Sweet. beat us on any of our stories. Yeah. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> All right. It looks like we're up to our uh, Name That Review Challenge. And uh, this week it comes to us via Paul. Yeah. Okay. We'll see if you can figure this one out. Um, I don't know about you guys, but it's kind of tough finding some of these old reviews because you find like something from t- 2014 that may pay a nod to the original, but you yeah. can't find that original. So I was hunting and pecking and I, I found one. So let's just dive in. Okay. Over across the tracks in the industrial side of cream country lie unskilled laborers like blank, which was hyped as a rocking ritual celebration of the satanic mass or some uh, such claptrap, something like England's answer to Coven. Well, they're not that bad, but that's about all the credit you can give them. The whole album is a shuck. Despite the murky song titles and some inane lyrics that sound like vanilla fudge paying doggerel tribute to Aleister Crowley, The album has nothing to do with spiritualism, the occult, or anything much except stiff recitations of Cream's cliches that sound like the musicians learned them out of a book, grinding on and on with dogged persistence. Vocals are sparse, most of the album being filled with plodding bass lines over which the lead guitar dribbles wooden claptonisms from the master's tiredest Cream days. They even have discordant jams with bass and guitar reeling like velocitized speed freaks all over each other's musical perimeters yet never quite finding sync. Just like Cream, but worse. Uh, Well, that's tough. (laughs) So hopefully Uh. some of the clues of the other bands being mentioned can kind of give you a touch of the era. Yeah. I'm I'm lost. I know, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of mildly satanic bands at the time. (laughs) Right, Um, right. Alice Cooper. No. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Black because it, it said the lyrics were sparse, correct? Yes. Tony, what did you say? Oh, I said Black Sabbath. Ding, 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 ding. We have our first winner of this review. Wow. All right. <laughs> Man, was... somebody shat all over them. So here, yeah. here's the summary above it. I found this article. Um, I Actually, I shouldn't give it out because I may have gold in it later, but now nah, what the hell. Basically, it was like the 10 albums that Rolling Stone crapped on. And uh, Black Sabbath debut album, 1970, says, Lester Bangs is one of the most esteemed rock writers in history, but even he didn't quite get Black Sabbath when he heard their first record back in 1970. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That was was his take on that. Yes. That's brutal. Very much so. Very, very much so. So, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I was trying to go, you know, deeper in era to see if it would uh, uh, trip you up. But, man, you uh, you nailed it because, you know, well, Sabbath was definitely controversial back then, uh, you know, given the, uh, yeah. even with, you know, the 60s and the partying and the free love lifestyle, that was, you know, more on the other extreme, I guess, yeah. to some. Well, then well, the stories he, came said... out, too, with the biting off the, you know, the birds' heads and things like that, you know, and then mm-hmm. that just yeah. added to the mystique. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I can't remember where that falls in the chronology, but nonetheless, it is, uh, you know, all of that uh, personifies Ozzy in the in the least. So, yeah, but you said you said English and mm-hmm. satanic and stuff like that, and I, yeah, I had to think like because none of us would frame them that way as either bad or satanic. <laughs> but, right, right. Yeah, you know. but you know, nowadays they're kind of considered the staple for like the doom era and that kind of stuff cuz for sure you know, there's some just great driving riffs and then you hear, you know, modern bands these days that uh like Paul Bearer is one of my favorites. You know, they're mm-hmm. a tough listen because they're super slow, but god, that tone is just huge and it's great. And then you mm-hmm. got bands like Crowbar that has a little bit of a doom element but just great weird time signatures and stuff and even um yeah, Candlemass and St. Vitus go on and on. There's tons of those bands that you hear them and you definitely hear the Twins of Sabbath. Yeah. I think who has the best name out of all of that is the reviewer, Lester Banks. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not anymore. No, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. I wonder stuff. if that was a widely. Uh, like his review, I wonder if that was like what everybody was feeling at the time or if that was kind of singular. Um, if other people got it and loved it. 
you know, it's probably, gosh, I'm trying to think of who, who we would consider, you know, you take a band that at the time you didn't quite understand them, but a couple years later, it's like, okay, I can really get into this. They were just ahead of their time. Um, yeah. I'm sure there was a couple of different camps with different philosophies on it for sure. Um, those who liked the, you know, kind of the experimental rock probably gravitated towards that and started to fall mm-hmm. in love with that heavy edge of things. You also had Deep Purple and bands like that too that were considered pretty heavy too. So they probably meshed into to that that pool pretty quickly yeah. and easily. I think what's interesting to me about that, well, any pre-internet era of reviews is a lot of people lived and died by those reviews. Like you'd read, you'd actually read Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you may read an article on your favorite band, and they may talk about their influences. So you know, somebody like Lester Bangs may review the album poorly, but somebody, you know, that's that's a known musician that has a lot of following that says, you know, I, you know, what's in my tape deck right now is Black Sabbath. Uh, mm-hmm. That carries a lot of weight too, you know. So I know I've gotten into several bands just based on what uh, my favorite bands listen to. Right, Lester Bangs may hate it, but IP Freely might love it. So exactly. <laughs> Are we yeah. all going to be using Lester Bangs as our code names from now on? I think so. With I think host, that's the name. Lester Bangs is he still alive? Uh, let me Google that for you. <laughs> can we do this? Like, can this become the name of the the challenge? The Lester Bangs challenge. Name that Lester Bangs. <laughs> yeah. He, he passed uh, away in 1982, so. Wow. Oh, yeah. I think it's safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we call it the Lester Bangs Challenge. Awesome. We got <laughs> Nailed it. it. Yes. Paul will need some intro music eventually. Oh, well, put the kids to bed. Let's get ready. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Right wow. on. Okay. Sweet. All right. Well, that brings us to the big challenge of the week. Weekly Challenge. Ooh. Do you want to give us a little Metalhead Monday music? Yeah, since he's not here. Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's Metalhead Monday. <laughs> yeah, he it's just kind sent of a letdown. Yeah. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> he sent some pictures a little bit ago of uh, uh, the singer and the drum kit and the logo and all that stuff. So that's too cool. And he made mention that, uh, you know, the band is their own roadies, you know, and I've yeah. seen artists that I've known and respected for many, many years be their own roadies too. So that's just sometimes part of it. Yeah. yeah. It's cool though. He's there and it's yeah. like he's got great seats. So he's probably yeah. loving it. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll pick on him next week and, you know, ask him how the boy band concert was that he disguised <laughs> as stabbing Westward. Exactly. Oh, did, did I say stabbing Westward? Uh, Westward? I, I think I misspoke. I'm pretty sure it was Backstreet Boys, wasn't N-K-O-T-B. it? N-K-O-T-B. Yes. No, that's right. <laughs> well, our challenge does come to us from Metalhead this week, and it was basically to pick our favorite song that tells a story, which couldn't be any more wide open because most songs tell a story in some way. Um, yeah. But I took it more in the more literal sense for my choice. But um, great challenge. Oh, Anybody yeah. want to begin? Teabags, you want to kick it off? Sure. All right, I'll let you do it because I. Okay. It, full disclosure, I've got the pick. I just need to verify something. Sure, no problem. And full disclosure, since I am Teabags, uh, my favorite song is an album. But. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was nearly, but I said I would not do Rush because it was too obvious. So if it's Nine Inch Nails, you have to pick another one. It's not actually. Is it Tool? It is. Nope. Okay, you're good. <clears throat> Okay, it is um, the pros and cons of hitchhiking by Roger Waters, oh. hmm. and it literally is a story from beginning to end, even time stamped because it's all mostly all taking place in a dream, and it flows. I listened to it again uh, the other day on good headphones, and you know that you hear, you feel like you're in the dream. You hear things behind you, in front of you. You know how they used to do that stuff, but um, basically. This was one interesting thing about this album is that it was presented to Pink Floyd side by side with the wall. And he's Roger Waters said, I'm going to do one of these solo. Which one do you guys want to do? And they chose the wall. So this concept was started back in the seventies. Um, but what I like about it is that it is this dream going through like a midlife crisis and the guy, you know, has his midlife crisis, has an affair, tries to like make amends with his wife and move out to the woods and that falls through. He finds himself all alone 
and just basically like with a clarity that he doesn't want to be alone and he wakes up and reaches for his real real life wife um, in the darkness and she's not only there but she's awake but he says uh, the moment of clarity fades like charity does sometimes and you know how you can be like get something very profound from a dream or something or uh, you might go to a talk that really like gets you really inspired and then two days later you know that's kind of been diluted by life but uh yeah anyway i mean the story that that's the basis of the story and i love it and there's a lot of like hidden easter eggs of pink floyd stuff going on there as far as melodies go that throw back to other songs and um but if you're gonna lose david gilmore when you go off to do something on your own one of the best things you can do is pick up eric clapton and that's what he did for this <laughs> album nice. so there you go Wow, that's my favorite. What year song did that come out? Uh, I believe it came out in like mid '80s. It was right after they, after they broke up. But uh, gotcha. it's, if I'm if you want to pick a out. song to just listen to to see how Clapton mixes with Waters and kind of get the feel for like how the dream sequence and everything goes, um, listen to the track called "Sexual Revolution," and it is okay. fantastic. Yeah. I'm on it, you perv. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Sorry. Hey, that reminds me, speaking of Pink Floyd, do you remember in the 90s when that live album came out? Was it called Pulse? Yeah. And it had like the, the pack in the middle of the outer case, and the outer case had that little red light that would just pulsate, hence the pulse. Um, I can't remember if I had that packaging or not, but that was basically after Waters had left, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't remember if it was like a retrospective release of, of something live or I had a copy of it. And honestly, I gave it a couple of listens, but I was working so much I never really dug deep into it. I just remember mm-hmm. when I worked at the record store and I'd shut the lights off and we had like 15 copies of them. They'd all blink at random intervals. And I was like, what? Is, oh, yeah, that's that re- that Pink Floyd yes. release that's uh, you know beaming at me, basically. Yeah, I think it was. I think I think it was live, but I think it was something to probably fulfill a contract or something like. Yeah, you're probably right. So I just yeah. yeah, I was trying to remember what that was. Mm-hmm. Too fun. Cool. Fun side note: I think recently Nick Mason said that uh, he thinks that they will get back together with uh, Gilmore and Waters. Nice. That he thinks good. it can still happen. Okay. Which would be shocking. Yeah, well, given, <laughs> yeah, it would given the shocking. extreme climates we've been having lately, I mean, you know, hell's bound to freeze over, so we may just see that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, speaking of, Jim Irsay bought uh, um, the guitar. guitar, yeah, for yeah. a pretty penny. And, uh, it was over know, three mil, wasn't it? It was, I can't remember the figure. I know it was way up there, and it's, all I could say was, it must be nice to have a little cash to throw away like that, but uh, hey. I know. <laughs> so. Sorry, I, I know you were next up in line bidding, Paul. Yeah, I know. My my $450 just did not quite cut it. (laughs) That's all I got. Not a penny more. Uh, I love it. Uh, Who's next? You want me to do uh, Mondays? Yeah, go ahead and do Mondays. It was his challenge, and he he actually mailed his in. Um, I will just read it. He sent it to me in text, so I don't want to change anything, so I'm going to just read it as he he wrote it. it. I thought I pictured a stamp and all that kind of stuff. Same here. He did. Isn't that how you guys mail things? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, he says that he immediately thought that he would use Tom Waits uh, because his early stuff's full of great stories. There are also a few Springsteen songs that would be perfect for the challenge. Um, And I thought I would use Stabbing Westward song Sleep because it's dark, sad, creepy, perfect. Then I remembered another song that tells a dark, sad, creepy story and decided to go with that. I chose Country Death Song by the Violent Femmes from the 1984 Mm. album Hallowed Ground. The song opens with a farmer sitting alone with his thoughts, his mind descending into madness. He then lures his daughter out of the house with the promise of exploring nearby caves. Instead, he takes the young girl to the well, tells her he loves her, and pushes her down to her death. Even though he's obviously lost his mind, he knows full well what he has done and how wrong it is. The song ends with the farmer saying, I'm going out to the barn to hang myself in shame. The subject matter is dark for sure. The performance makes it even more so, which is why I prefer the live versions I've heard. 
Hearing it performed live removes the polish of the studio version. It adds a level of pain and pathos that's not necessarily missing from the original, but is certainly heightened in a live setting. Violent Femmes is a typically minimalist band, and that works so well in establishing the somber mood of this song. The first time I heard it, I heard a live version, and it sucked me in right away. Playing out like a horribly terrific scary movie, Gordon and the Boys had me hanging on every word. Wondering where this horrible story would end, and that's really the point of any good story, isn't it? And that is his answer. I missed my opportunity, out of respect more or less, but I was about ready to interrupt you when you said we pushed her down the well. I was going to be like, well, well, well. <laughs> Didn't see that happen. You should have. Yeah. It wouldn't hurt me any. That's, right. That's a great track, though. Yeah. And a great description. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Very well done. Nice. All right, JPP. My turn. Okay. Mundy likes this band. I love this band, too. We both love this band. Um, this is a song... This band tells stories in their albums really well. Um, their first album was certainly one big, long concept. I could have picked that as the story. Um, but the second album also had um, some really good tunes as well, one of which is called Other Side of the River by Life of Agony. Uh, it's a dark story as well. And um, what I take away from it, it sounds like uh, a couple. It could be a you know, pair of lovers. It could be friends. It doesn't really spell that out. But it sounds like they chose to share the moment of ending their life together and it's very dark but it's told from the side of one of the individuals that's in the middle of this moment with the other person and i will read the lyrics here there's blood on the floor and you're not even moving don't really know if it's mine or yours but you ain't moving eyes are wide as you grin at me you know there's a place that you'd rather be but if you should die and i survive how could i go on knowing that i'm still alive here breathing and so that just kind of spells out the, the story. And then as it unfolds there towards the end, um, it, sounds, it sounds like there's some resentment in the decision. It says, hold on, hold on, I won't be long. And, you know, it kind of makes you wonder if, like, hey, I'm trying to join you, but at the same time I'm trying to pull you back too. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a simple tune, much like, you know, Monday was talking about Violent Femmes with the minimalism. It, there's not a lot of intricate crazy chords and you know they're kind of a heavy aggressive band but this is more straight ahead just kind of a good groove and that kind of thing and even the solo is real simplistic but when i first heard this song um i was always paying attention to the guitar as you guys know i I always tell you i listen to the music more than i listen to the lyrics and stuff and um Mm. this this one just kind of pulled me in because i could hear what he was saying and it just painted a picture and told the story now, it's not something where it's like, oh, I identify with that. I want to do that. It's more like, you know, hey, this really illustrated, you know, the details that they really wanted to get out there. And I kind of felt myself watching either from a cinema screen or as a fly on the wall. And mm-hmm. um, so it always stuck with me in that regard. Um, but, yeah, like we've talked about River Runs Red before, um, which is also a great uh, album and and the thing that's awesome about it was when it came out it was at a time when we were in high school and you know you're always trying to feel like you know I need to fit in and belong to a group of people because everybody as a human wants that um, we want to have our our group and you know with that you have the struggles of kind of branching off and growing up and then you meet other people and they don't really mesh with you and then you have to adjust and that kind of thing so they're really good at telling those stories of growing up and and dealing with the real world. So that's my answer in a long-winded nutshell, if you will. And lastly, yeah. I want to say I'm surprised Monday didn't pick Devil Went Down to Georgia because he used to talk about that song all the time as far as the story. I but, almost uh, picked that song. <laughs> I almost picked that one. song for real. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, that's interesting. I was reading those lyrics along with you when you, br- when you brought that up, and uh, I've never actually heard of the band either. So I'm going to dive into that one. Yeah, it's a it's a great band, very underrated in a lot of ways. You would definitely like Alan Robert. Uh, he's the bass player. He's also a wicked illustrator. Um, he's worked in okay. the comics and stuff like that too. So, um, very creative fellows. And um, I'm always impressed by a band that's really small. They're a four piece, and the guitar is huge. Uh-huh. So you know they just make okay. the sound full with with the arsenal they have. Sweet. You know, we were gonna review that. So I've listened to River Runs Red quite a few times. Yeah. Here recently, yeah. and it's, it's very nice. Yeah, yeah, it, and it's just 
a solid driving rock album. You know, it's it's got that heavy thrash element, but at the same time, it doesn't um, go so you know fast and intense that you kind of lose the meaning of the message either. It, it really drives straight ahead. There are a couple of songs. Um, it sounded like the lead singer was the love child of Glenn Danzig and uh, Cher. Yeah, yeah. He definitely has a, an interesting timbre to his voice. Deep, yeah. Absolutely love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good. I wish Glenn and Cher would hook up. <laughs> That'd be if interesting. I turn back time, mother. <laughs> what did Nicholas Manson think about this? Oh, I don't know. I need my own love child. <laughs> <laughs> Did, you, did I send you guys the meme of Danzig leaving Area 51, said he's looking for the teenagers from Mars, and he didn't care? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> well, you know that petition's going around, right? Like four, Or not a petition, but a sign up, like 400,000 people have signed up to rush Area 51. Yes. And then they came out, they were going to do the Naruto run, and then uh, so the, the government is like, they're going to be ready. The military's <laughs> going to step in. But, yeah. Yeah, a friend of, I don't think they get humor in the no. social media. <laughs> you know, a friend of mine sent, uh, uh, had a reaction to that. It's like, oh, they're going to storm Area 51. And they showed a, a guy sitting in a tank, says, laughs at 3,000 rounds a second. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, good luck with that. So Report back. Great. Let me know how it went. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so I almost picked a song. There was a clue. What song did I almost pick? Something Rush-like, that's for sure. No, I told you last time I wasn't going to do that. Oh. Well, it's been a while. I've had a nap and several other things. Yeah. Was there a clue, like, in what you just said? Earlier. Or a clue last time? Earlier. I'm sorry, did I hear something? I'm just kidding. Can you repeat the <laughs> phrase? <laughs> I almost picked Stan. Oh, so Eminem? Yeah, so that's why I did the intro. I thought if I can't use it as my answer, I can at least use lyrics from the song. So. Gotcha. Yes, okay. So anyway. All I was like yeah. I caught on, on the intro was like you said something about cold tea, and I'm like, fresh tea bags is what's the fix for that. <laughs> yeah, I did. So. I said you were the cure. Yes, that's right. <laughs> See? Dido knew what was that. Insert that's pu- why, sound yeah. effect here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what did you pick? I ended up going with... Um, in this group, it's interesting because they really um, turned me on to two different things. And one of them is also prevalent in Rush, but I got it here first, or at least I placed it here first. And I chose Iron Maiden, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Oh, hell yeah. Off of Power Slave. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, obviously, Rhyme and um, Xanadu from Rush are both songs based on poetry by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. And so they totally turned me on him. He's my favorite poet. I love about everything he does now. Um, And, of course, that is a very long poem, but they pull so many of the words straight from it. Um, It is so good. I don't know if you guys have ever read the poem or know anything about it, but uh, it is a story of this captain who is um, sort of when when it hits him, there's a little look in his eye, and he is forced to grab somebody and tell them his tale. He must walk the earth and tell people his tale so they can learn from him. Um, we get things like, you know, if you have an albatross around your neck, that comes mm-hmm. from him, or from this this poem. Um, but the other thing that Iron Maiden gave me was a love of myth. Um, Flight of Icarus, mm-hmm. um, from the previous album before that. That's what started getting me into mythology and all those things. And those are things that I've loved my entire life since that point. So um, you would think that I would have gotten my, my fix from Rush, but it actually came from Iron Maiden first, and then I placed the other later. So that's Excellent my choice. choice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Maiden lately, Peace of Mind, uh, Killers, um, just kind of going back to the earlier days. And, man, you know, they, that's exactly right. I mean, they, they paint good pictures. They, I mean, even if you aren't really super connected with Iron Maiden, if you go watch them live for the first time and you saw the, uh, you know, elaborate stage design from like the live after death tour and, and seventh Mm -hmm. son and that kind of stuff, that would have roped me in, you know what I mean? From the beginning, it's like, wow, this is all mystical and, uh, you know, kind of folkloric and, and uh, legendary in its own right. So no, that's, that's a very good choice. I, I'm sad. I didn't pick that myself now. And those album (laughs) covers, they're oh, yeah. so iconic. Yeah, They're so cool. Eddie. 
Yep. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I think I mentioned it before, but you know, I used to go to the 4-H fair and you know throw the dart at the balloons and win those. Get the mirrors. Glass mirrors <laughs> with that weird paper frame. I had a ton of Iron yep. Maiden ones and Megadeth ones. My mom's like, "What the hell was that? Get that off the wall!" But no, man. Do <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the cool. same thing. That's awesome. awesome. So um, next week, the challenge will come to us via Paul. Yes. So <clears throat> we've had a little bit of time off, and uh, since then I've been listening to podcasts and kind of reverse engineering when I can, and just you know just trying to to hear what sticks out there. And and Monday turned me on to the Josta show a while back. Really enjoy it. I really l- enjoy listening to him talk with. Uh, people he's on tour with because they just talk about the life and all the you know stuff they have to deal with as well as just you know the fun of you know having the brotherhood you know they all have a common uh, situation and they get through it together and go do crazy things and have fun and stuff so um, one of the things that he's talked about and made me think hey that would be cool challenge as well there are bands that have broken up and with that there's two factions of the band now there's like uh, flag, and then there's Black Flag. So Greg Jinn is in mm-hmm. one of them, and another guy is in another one. I don't have the information right in front of me, but for example. And then there's the iconic black metal band Venom. Um, you have Venom, then you have Venom Inc., I think is the other one is what it's called. So my my challenge is, if you have a favorite band or a, a band that you like, and they've split up, what would you like to see be band b so um you have i'm just going to be silly pearl jam and then you have pearl ham or something like that where you know the bass player takes over that one and he creates his own band but they both perform the same tunes okay so they have rights to be able to perform the same material it's like who would you know band b become who would they bring on board maybe to uh you know accentuate the tunes in a way that they saw the vision where the original band didn't line up to their liking. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so you just have, you just have to pick one band. You don't have to go with three or anything like that. So because I know this will be kind of daunting. Right. Um, a lot, you know. And there's another band, Entombed. There's a, uh, I think Entombed AD is another one now that's uh, touring as well. And so, you know, nonetheless, it's kind of happened organically. But if you could see a reinterpretation of one of your favorite bands in this faction, I think it would be kind of interesting to hear your thoughts on that. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think. So, just to be clear, mm-hmm. doesn't technically have to be a band that has already broken up or anything. Just if no, not necessarily, but I mean, if that helps kind of make it easier for you, that's uh, you know, yeah. certainly possible. But I mean, if like, um, and I'm not going to use this next week, but if, if I were to say, well, if Tool broke up, this is mm-hmm. what I'd like to see. Yeah. Okay, so it can be hypothetical. Absolutely. Okay, sweet. I'm cool with that. So there's okay. obviously have to be a uh, interchange of members. Yeah. So like some the are only... dropped, some are picked up. Yeah, exactly. So if you if you have a a group of people, there at least has to be one original member in the other band. Okay. I have no idea what I'm gonna do, but mm-hmm. I like the challenge. That's why it's a weekly challenge. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, that creates an interesting segue. Challenge, Challenge accepted. What's that? No, you were supposed to say do tell. Come on, oh. act interested. I, yeah, I was... Anyway. <laughs> what? So, <laughs> we... we <laughs> oh, oh, do tell. Yes, well, <laughs> we are doing an album review this week, and uh, the mastermind behind the album, Michael Cerebolo was the mm-hmm. member of a band who split in two. Gene Loves Jezebel had two brothers, and they split, and they each had a band that was, I forget what they, they designated one or the other. And uh, at that time, Michael came on and played guitar on one of those bands in the late 90s. So that's my answer for next week. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> nice. Uh, no, but in, but that was kind of interesting that you brought that challenge up and that actually happened. So nice, sure. yeah. So our review this Excuse week me. is actually a follow up review because um, a few months ago we reviewed Beauty and Chaos and the title of the album was Finding Beauty and Chaos and we reviewed that and I think 
pretty much across the board. I think we enjoyed that, right? Yes, Absolutely. most certainly. Yeah, I know I liked it a lot. I wrote a review at breaktheforth.com. Uh, you can go check it out there. That's and, a good um, review, Steve, by the way. Yes, yeah, very good. Which yeah. one? I wrote two. Well, both, but you're referring back to the first <laughs> the one. The one that didn't suck, yeah. of course. The, oh, yeah, I forgot <laughs> this one. Go. Blue. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so the follow-up review is for re-envisioning uh, Beauty and Chaos. And so there are, 20, I believe, 25 tracks on this record, and um, they are re-envisioned by uh, different people in the music industry. Um, there are some... Uh, just outstanding tracks. Uh, Michael Rosen, if that is how you say his name, I'm not sure if it's Rosen or Rosen, but um, he was killer for me on this. He just did three amazing tracks. Um, somebody I didn't know, Lectro, not sure who that was, uh, was, a, was a highlight for me. Um, but anyway, there were lots of different people who stepped in and redid some of these songs, gave us some new creations. So before we get started... Um, when you guys are, are checking out a remix, what do you look for? I mean, is it anything goes or do you, cause I kind of have a few rules, but mm-hmm. what do you guys think? T-Bags, I'll let ahead, you answer Paul. first on that if you want. Okay. Um, well, I, I hate to bring up Nine Snails, but that's where I come from on the remix world. And I've always loved when it's, uh, and I think they've said this like re-envisioned. So, um, I think for a, for a while there, there was a lot of people who would do remixes, and it would just be uh, more or less like a just different cut of the song, and it mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't necessarily taking the stems or the tracks and 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 making something new out of it. Um, but I obviously you want it to root in some of the original, so you want it to become its own thing, yet you know still be tied to it. So I guess a child of the original song <laughs> to some degree. Yeah. Um, but I love that they gave so many opportunities to uh, so many people. And it wasn't just like a one-off, like you could have different versions of the song. And that's what I like when I, when you're saying, what do you look for in a remix? I like for to see it be something that holds its own, throws back to the original. And I also really like on it when anybody lets multiple people uh, take a stab at it. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, if you're going to open up the art, to uh for reinterpretation i think it's good to see other people's you know styles so yeah um yeah that's it if i'm talking if if i'm talking about um, any go ahead yeah sorry (laughs) if i'm talking about anything if i'm talking about any generic type of remix without naming a band that's what i still like to see but it just so happens that they you know we're kind of got that with this too for this review yeah, exactly. And to to tie off of that tag team, bam, I'm, I'm in the ring now kind of scenario. Um, that was the same thing. Like I, a lot of what I heard before was just kind of a extended mix. The chorus went twice or something, you know. Um, yes. You know, it was not the radio edit or anything like that. But then all of a sudden you started hearing the the techno remix, and it was just real straight ahead. And a lot of times I would skip that version and just kind of keep going. But you know when you had broken and then all of a sudden fixed comes out then i'm getting turned on to skinny puppy that i at the time didn't know about and then you start hearing about some yes. of these artists that may be more just you know kind of underground and they're getting an opportunity to remix an artist that you enjoys material and then you're like hey that was kind of cool i'm gonna go check them out now like frontline assembly and the way they did remixes and their own original tunes as well was a was a piece of that and then you know lastly it's also awesome to kind of hear you've got the song, you've got the chord structure, you've got the melody. Sometimes uh-huh. you hear somebody just completely rewrite the underbelly under the melody of the song, the lyrics, and yeah. it just it changes the mood of that melody altogether. Where, you know, it may have been a little more hot, happy and peppy. All of a sudden it takes a darker turn or it just kind of moves, you know, shifts into a little bit of a different direction. It's like, ooh, okay, I can, uh-huh. I can definitely see the, the mood change there and really come to appreciate it. So it just goes to show that music is a language. You spoke your piece about it. I'm speaking my piece about it. Even though we're talking about the same subject matter, we're embellishing upon different things. The music's doing uh-huh. the same thing from the original versus the remix. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think we need to um, sort of define here 
it's not different people taking a stab at the music as as like a new singer or a band playing the music. It is the original music, and they're just going in and remixing or, in some cases, changing the instruments. But there is still... Mm-hmm. Um, some element that stays the same. Precisely. And that's so, the same with the, some of the earlier, what I was mentioning too, like they'll, they'll still have the same vocalist and the same mm-hmm. um, master tracks in that regard, but then they'll revamp it with something a little different, bringing in a new person or, you know, rearranging in some form. Yeah, yeah, definitely not not a cover. I'm just talking about right. releasing, the, releasing the tracks or the stems so that someone can keep what they like, you know, Speed mm-hmm. it up, slow it down, add stuff, take stuff away. So, yeah, I think we're on the same page. Yep. And, you know, as a, an example, um, I, I, can, I can find uh, the, on the Internet Archives, I did two remixes of Nine Inch Nail songs when Trent had that site open for everybody to download his stems and remix them. I can yep. throw links in the show notes of those two so you can hear cool. you know, my take on Capital G and uh, Head Down. Yes. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I love I it. I mean, I... I think, and this is kind of subjective and it's probably not fair to the artists that worked on these, but for me there were certain things in the songs that I felt like should stay or should be highlighted. And so when the bands remixed things but kept that element, which I felt like was essential to the song, I think I found those a lot better. I mean, I, I really loved those. Um, and I know it's really not fair to the artist because that's my interpretation, but there's some things that, when, I mean, I really... I love the the original, and there's certain things I love about it. And so, um, and I mentioned Michael Rosen because he hit a lot of the ways that I felt about these songs and really highlighted the parts that I felt like were were just crucial. Um, uh-huh. So uh, let's dig in a little bit. What do we, uh, any any tracks stand out for you guys? Well, Unnatural Disaster, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Doug Pinnock fan, but to bring Zach Wilde in on the mix, holy crap. Um, and, you know, um, was really awesome. The drums were just beefy and fun too. Um, Storm, <clears throat> the acoustic version with Ashton Knight, yes. holy cow! That was gonna be mine. Yeah, that mm-hmm. I just I had to repeat that a couple of times because I felt like that was just a nice mood. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. Now the, that one was not just remixed. He actually came in and re-sang that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. It's a reinterpretation in that regard. Um, I'm going on the website now to look. Okay, here we go. Man of Faith. So I had that song playing. Um, I was listening to it in the background when I was finishing up some work. My wife was in the other room. Is that The Cure? Close. <laughs> it's Simon Gallup on bass. It's like, I could. that definitely sounded like The Cure to me. I'm like, well, you're on the right track, you know? So I was telling her about listening to this, and so she was she mm-hmm. was digging it. So hopefully next time she and I are on a road trip, I'll just pop this on and, you know, we can enjoy some of these tunes and she loves Depeche Mode and she loves retro elements as well so I think this would be right up her alley cool T-Bags well I mean uh, there's a lot of standout tracks really and I was going to pick Storm too and I I love it I I read I kind of got a little bit of a pre-look at your review Steve Mm -hmm. and that's how I knew that he had come in and re-recorded those vocals I mean um, but let me say this before I dig into any tracks and, and I'll bounce it back to you, but like, it's been a long time since I've seen something with this many tracks on it that I could still listen to and, and like really love the whole thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there were tracks that I felt like appealed to me more, but all in all, I don't know that I skipped a track when I listened to it straight through and it was mm-hmm. still it like held my interest and I you know I'm notorious for um if you ask my wife like or even uh, like Kyle my friend they're like would you just let the end of the song play because I'm normally on to the next thing after I've kind of heard what the song is Mm -hmm. um but yeah uh so I'll dig more into uh, to other tracks but that's the main overall I wanted to say Storm the acoustic version somehow that was just something that just really stuck with me I love that one but um Overall, there, did you guys? There's feel the one same more. Way? Like, um, did you listen to Bloodless and Fragile? It's also by Ashton Knight. Yes. Uh, if it's if it's on here, I did. It's <laughs> well, you'll know it because it's the reason I brought. I jumped in there was because the acoustic stripped down version really highlights his voice, but this one does too. But it it brings in some funkiness. It's got a sitar going on. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it is really oh, yeah. a cool remix by Roman Marisak. Um, it's mm-hmm. almost like the opposite of what Storm did, but it's equally um, as engaging, I think. Um, it, yeah. You know, Knight's voice is just, I mean, it carries itself, but mm-hmm. uh, I love that version too. Yeah. It does. And I, I mean, I know we're not talking, that we're talking about specific track there, but there were times where it was just like, that was such a good instrument to put into that. Like you just mentioned, like the sitar, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I was just like, it was, I was just surprised that I could listen to that many tracks and that many versions of the same song and not really have anything that was like, they could have trimmed this down to 12. You know, I still feel like they all mm-hmm. should sit on this piece. Yeah. Yeah. I think the um, other, um, we talk about adding um, instruments in. There were two songs that I felt like where the instruments changed really highlighted it. Um, I Will Follow You, which was done by Michael Rosen, added the uh, pedal steel guitar. It was slowed mm-hmm. down. It had that beautiful voice floating over. I mean, I thought that one really um, highlighted her voice um, and really gave it some emotion um, with those singular notes. Um, really loved that one. And then another one uh, where we we have a switch in the instruments is The Long Goodbye, track number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, all the music is stripped out, all the original, and it's replaced with a piano, a viola, a violin, and a bass. And Wayne nice. Hussey's voice just really uh, takes over there. It's kind of gravelly, and you can tell it's aged and weathered. It just sounds amazing. Such a good yeah. track. The Long Goodbye is de- it like... Uh, I have certain tracks and or certain playlists in Spotify that I throw things in, and that's one that I write to, and it has to be specific songs. That's one, probably my most picky playlist, um, but that is one that once it's released on Spotify is going in there. It's like in my notes, but I've, I've listened to that one several times. So good. Yeah, it's interesting that we're all falling on the same songs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, for me, it, it was a lot to listen to and I had to put it in segments and it's not because I wasn't interested it's just been crazy busy but <clears throat> the thing I wanted to say as, as my takeaway is Michael did something that is tough to do he took something that really plays on an era and you know nowadays can kind of considered classic or retro but mm-hmm. it has such a nice modern touch that it feels fresh all over again. It doesn't feel like I'm going back and listening to an old album and takes me back to that time. It mm-hmm. it takes me back to that feeling of, you know, music in my youth where I was fired up and inspired. And at the same time, it's modern enough to make me feel like, hey, I'm moving forward, but I still i am kind of getting that inspiration that I used to get. So <laughs> um, that's... yeah. Man. I mean, I, 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 it's not like I'm kissing this guy's ass, and that's not what I'm doing. I just, I'm really, yeah. really impressed with both releases. I don't know mm-hmm. the chronology of how everything unfolded. You know, it's like this album came out, you know, Finding Beauty and Chaos, and next thing you know, we have Beauty Reenvisioned. So it's like, you know, what was that workload like? Did they work on both of them at the same time and then just strategically release things yeah. later? Or was it one massive undertaking and then, hey, let's go back and do another massive undertaking? So either yeah. way, in that short span of time, my brain would hurt. So top props yeah, for that. And I'm going to jump on what you said there. Two things. One, uh, we're not just kissing ass because I feel like, I feel like we all would review this honestly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, what you were saying about how you felt like it's fresh, but you know, made you kind of like feel like a rejuvenated again first and, mm-hmm. and it has some energy. That's kind of like when I was trying to find a takeaway from it, it was like, the same way I felt when, and I know this is kind of thrown back to the past, but when I listened to like Natural Born Killer soundtrack or something, that mm-hmm. like it was of that time, but it was a mix of of artists and, um, but it had something special to it. It was like different in the places that it needed to be, mm-hmm. and that's this kind of makes me feel like I don't know what time frame I'm in, which is good. <laughs> it's not rooted in a time frame, mm-hmm. but I have that same excitement of like, holy shit, this is. Um, something special, and uh, I'm a fanboy now, so I, I'm reviewing it well because uh, I just I just bought a shirt too <laughs> from them. Nice. It's, it should be it should be here next week, but um, it's got a fleur de lis on it, so you know, saints. Nice. But um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like one of those things. Like I want to support these artists because I want them to keep doing this. So yeah, 
Precisely. Precisely. Yeah, yeah and I Steve, think I was uh, pretty glowing in the review, so I can't. But I, I had to say there, you know, yes, I'm being 100% honest. And the song that I liked the least was the song that actually sparked this whole thing. And it was uh, Man of Faith. When uh, it was remixed and he heard that, that's what got this whole project going. And it was the one that I liked the least because it changed the least. Um, that wasn't a knock on the artist. That was their choice. It just subjectively um, wasn't my favorite. Uh, and so I, the last one that I wanted to talk about tonight kind of gives a good example of what I was looking for. So Look Up, that's the one that's sung by Tish Saravolo, his wife. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love the takes. There are two different ones that I think are equally good, but very different. The first one was mixed by Alex Kretoff, if that's yeah. how you say his name. It was a very acoustic version. Okay, and then Electro does a second version where it's real electronic and it's got synth and beats and abrupt stops and it's got these little grungy effects underneath the whole thing. But the key mm-hmm. to both songs is that the vocals rise above both of them. So those changes don't completely change the song. I mean, I mean they, they do change the song. But those vocals, which were the standout in the original, are still the standout here. Um, but the whole feel of the song has changed. And I think that's what I was really looking for in this record. And that's why the ones I talked about tonight are the ones that stood out to me. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. There was a third version of that on, the, on this album as well. Yes, there was. I, um, yeah. There were three of a lot of them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which is crazy that you get three different versions of the same song. and They're pretty much all different. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what that's what was crazy to me was like three different versions, and it still like worked. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Michael, one last thing, sir. If I have the opportunity to talk with you about how to get vocal sounds like Al Jorgensen, I would love to do that because I love that distorted sound. No, seriously. I just <laughs> that's the cool thing about like 20th Century Boy. It's like it it any of those mixes. It sounds like it came from a ministry record too, and that's not a dig. It's just that you know Al yeah. is so ingrained in uncle al that you know no matter what he does it, he has ministry so he's gonna be ministry on whatever he does I just love that yeah. too so too funny. Yeah. this complete side note here real quick but it, it's it's on topic but did you guys ever read the uh article about like when when ministry invited kirk hammett to come on stage with them no missed that i guess like they had kirk hammett come on stage and um you know they gave him a solo or something and um he just kept like shredding it to the point where the band members got bored and all of ministry walked off while Kirk was playing and he was like stuck up there just playing <laughs> like guitar solo. And, uh, the way Al, um, tells the story in the article anyway, is like basically like Kirk became kind of scared of the band <laughs> and then just kind of <laughs> left and just never really <laughs> joined or talked with them again. Uh, but they said they just stood off to the side of the stage, like kind of pissed off looking at him like, dude, come on. <laughs> nice. Wow. So, was yeah. it uh, Super Not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's I'd a like video online right now that says, Ministry of Kirk Hammett of Metallica, Super Not Live. Oh, well, if they walk off, that's the same one. Awesome. But um, the one I really felt bad about on this record is uh, 20th Century Boy when it was sung by Mark Boland's son. Um, you know, T-Rex, Mark Boland, his... You think, okay, this has got to be special. I just, mm-hmm. subjectively, it didn't catch me. And I felt bad. It's like I should have loved that, you know? Just Yeah. But well, you're also, you're trying to replace Al Jurgensen. That was, that was my point. Yeah. I've heard it by Al now. So it's, Uncle Al is taken yeah. over. Yeah. Sometimes that's not super fair. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so, I mean, if I'm rating this thing, out of five, like we normally do. Um, this is probably, and I'm saying this as a remix album, uh, but probably like a 4.8, 4.9. It's very close to a five for me. Cool. Yeah, I was going to give it probably like a four, seven, something of that sort. And, you know, when you hear, you heard a song before and then you hear a remix, it could go two ways. And, you know, mm-hmm. the majority of this won me in, in a good way because it was still a fun listen. I didn't feel like I was getting burned out listening to things on repeat. There was a lot of good reinterpretations and um, just, you know, it felt like a fresh tune all over again for the most part. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Steve? Yeah. What, what's your rating, Steve? Uh, poor four, uh, 4.7963. I don't know. Did I give it one on the review? I can't remember. 
Do they? Whatever, whatever's in the review is what Steve's. <laughs> no, it's a hot. I mean, it's close to a perfect yeah. score for me. I really enjoyed it, but cool. I don't think yeah. I don't know if I gave it a score or not. I didn't. Eh, I'm a loser. <laughs> Next well, time I'll do that. Put links in the show notes so people can read and you know all that good stuff and kind of get your take on it from that angle. Will yeah. do. All right. That was good. Yeah. And um, I hope next week's is as good. So uh, we'll be recording uh, July 21st next week, and we're going to be doing Tom York's Anima. It came out last week or two weeks ago, um, but we were off for a few. So um, we're going to go ahead and pick up and do that one. And, um, yeah, I hope it's I hope it's weird out there and engaging. Well, absolutely. I don't weird. think it's going to be like campfire songs. So. <laughs> Kumbaya. <laughs> it could be, but he's going to hold that lyric for a long time. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. And do some oh, weird man. dance. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, that pretty much wraps things up. JPP, where can we find you? And what's a highlight this week? Well, <clears throat> you can find me on Instagram at Just Plain Paul. You can find me on Facebook at JPP Invasion. Uh, the past couple of weeks have been crazy. We uh, had a Disney trip in there, and uh, tornado blew over the house, so there was a lot of focus on picking up trees and all that fun stuff. But um, in my downtime, uh, when we go to my daughter's swim lessons, there's a Goodwill store right around the corner, and so I've been going in there when waiting on her to start, and there's been a little bit of downtime. And I found their CD section, and I started rating it. Um, most of it's crap. I'm not going to lie. I, I have no interest in 99% of it. Um, that's just my opinion. But I've gone through, and for two bucks uh, a piece, I've picked up a few albums, one of which is Secret Samadhi by Live. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know what? I haven't listened to Live in a long time. I had Mental Jewelry, fantastic album, loved it. And then they kind of fell off for me when I worked in the record store. Um, just moved on to other things, but it was great to listen to it because I heard all the singles on the radio, but to hear it on CD was a much better experience for me, especially now, because uh-huh. of course the radio will compress things. And so you lose some of the dynamic aspect of what the songwriter was trying to get out there. So some of these songs have some ultra quiet parts that the radio just didn't translate properly because it was all kind of even keeled. So I listened to it. I was on my own on the road for an hour and popped that in and gave it a listen and and just kind of fell in love with with that album overall i thought man this is this was a good journey so i'm going to dig in further and kind of catch up with them i understand there's been some breakups and disdain i don't know the whole news yet so i haven't read into it much but you know nonetheless they had some really solid tracks and it was really fun to listen to especially some of the experimental guitar stuff so um that's my that's my pick this week is some some uh, throwback alternative that's excellent cool. and uh uh ed koala uh the lead singer cool chick yeah <laughs> oh, okay it was, it's that easy okay mm-hmm. uh he had a solo album somewhere uh mm-hmm. in the last 10 years i think or so he's had yeah, more than one i think did he okay i think so i remember one i want to say every time i say recently i look back and it's been like 10 years so uh anyway um what about you stevie um, I remember seeing live uh, when I was at Indiana University. They were in the uh, mm-hmm. the Union Hall, and the room was so stinking tiny. And they were set up on the floor, and we were all in front. It yeah. was um, amazing. It was the mental jewelry. It was before throwing copper and all that, but uh, mm-hmm. it was yeah. amazing. Yeah, they were doing all acoustic, at least on the album. So did they perform anything electric that you recall? It was all electric. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. they were at Ball State, Paul, too. I saw them there. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I missed that. Yes, I'm not sure if it was the first time or second time I was there. Cool. (laughs) Um. So for me, over the past few weeks during our hiatus, I spent a couple weeks in the hospital with uh, Tony's sister and my wife. But uh, happy to report everything's good. We're on the mend out of uh, the hospital. All the best Um, to her. Glad to hear that. Yes, we are super thrilled. So um, everything's going very well. During that time... Um, I spent a lot of time with this record um, that we reviewed tonight, and I did do an extensive review, and you can find that at BreakTheForth.com. You can also find it on the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Facebook page. Yep. 
Um, in addition to that, I just started uh, as a contributing writer to Blackhawks Up. It's a uh, it's a fan sided um, sports site for the NHL for the Chicago Blackhawks. It's a sister site to Sports Illustrated, and so I had my first article published there today. So that was thank you. So that was yeah. pretty exciting. There are lots of comments, and I'm afraid to see them because they're probably all calling me an idiot or an asshat or something like that. So I don't care as long as they read it. Um, I was going to say, they're reading it. So that's, that's right. Fine. How's it any different from our conversations with you? Wait, what? Just kidding. That's a true, <laughs> true story. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I've, just, I've been focusing more on uh, writing uh, than anything else lately. So been enjoying that. Good. That's awesome. That's and you can find me at Foggy's Pal on Twitter, Instagram, and um, Steve on Facebook. T-Bags. Um, you can find me on the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Facebook page. And um, really, I mean, I've been doing lots of things here and there, and I'm still writing, which I love. I feel like I was telling my wife the other day, I feel like it's the last couple of weeks have been where it feels like it's just kind of coming to me. And I'm just trying to catch those words out of the air and get them down when I have time. So uh, I always like when I'm in that groove. And then as far as uh, like listening to, I sent you a few things, Steve. But I'm super excited mm-hmm. about um, NF, uh, his new album coming out called The Search. He's an excellent rapper. and But you need to go check out uh, the videos for um, When I Grew Up, which is excellent. Also, the title track, The Search, um, is excellent. Just even cinematography-wise, it's great. But the, the lyrics and the message is great. And then he just released one this week called Time that's off that album. So, um, really into NF lately. Awesome. And they'll be able to check that out, too, in two weeks when we review that record. Absolutely. That's right. So, that is all I've got. Awesome. So, to wrap up... Next week, I will have the Lester Bangs Challenge. <laughs> yes. Paul has issued the challenge about a band breaking up. What would you have be the band B? It's going to be interesting. I can't wait to hear what that's all about. Uh-huh. And we will be reviewing Tom York, Anima. Did I catch everything? You I did. think so. You had me at Anima. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We will hear you next week. Bye now.